Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. What's up? Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. We're going to talk about parenting stuff today. By the way, my name is Shaleen. I am the parent of two now grown adults. I say that so that you have hope that you will survive the teen years. Maybe you're in the middle of them right now. Maybe your kids are really young. In fact, if your kids are young, this is probably the best time to listen to this episode. If you enjoy this episode, I highly encourage you to send it to your friends who have kids. Again, we got through it. And so I'm willing to share what it is we did that was helpful. I'm not a parenting expert, so please know that what I'm sharing today is what worked for us. Take what works, modify the rest or leave the rest. I just want to share our best practices and hope that it's helpful for some of you. All right, let's get to it. Well, the first step to creating a strong connection with your teens, and this is going to sound like, oh, thanks, Shalene, that's really super helpful if you're in the middle of it. But the fact of the matter is, if you're listening to this and your kids are young, is you're in the perfect place because you create a strong connection with your teens by developing that connection when they're young. And it really does start when they're toddlers. It's maintaining a healthy relationship with your child, one that prioritizes the connection. So when I think about the term parent, like, so I, I looked up the definition of it today. So here we go. Here's the Webster Dictionary definition of being a parent. One who begets, gives birth to, nurtures, or raises a child, a father, a mother, an ancestor, a progenitor, I hope I said that right, an organism that produces or generates offspring, someone who cares for or raises a child. Well, obviously, parenting is very complex and it doesn't come with a manual. I mean, we know that we're supposed to keep our kids safe, we know that we're trying to take them to adulthood. We know that we should be teaching them values, I hope, understanding of our culture. We're providing them their basic needs. We're supposed to protect them. We're supposed to discipline them, I guess. We're supposed to prepare them for adulthood. We're supposed to love them and feed them and provide them with shelter and clothing, provide for their basic needs. But I like to think that some of the more nuanced responsibilities of being a parent is, you know, you're supposed to help this little human become self-sufficient and confident and to be happy and to be good people and to make wise decisions. You know, I'm, I'm sure this is going to come across as sounding judgy, but hey, it's my podcast. I can say what I need to say, I guess. It's just my opinion. But I see a lot of parents who it feels like they forget those things. You know, I think sometimes we parent by the way that we were parented. Like we think parenting means to be a disciplinarian, to intimidate our kids, or to provide for them and do everything for them and try to be their friend and unfortunately in the process not actually impart to them the wisdom that they need or the confidence or even the experience that they need to know that they're going to be capable. I think that we don't consider what kinds of things we need to do to establish a strong relationship that's connected. And I mean a connection that's on an emotional level, like an, an intimately emotional level where the child feels safe, the child feels understood, and the child feels 
yeah, I guess that's it. It's like the child feels understood. So what does it actually mean to be connected? Well, to be connected to a child means that the child and the parent feel, or that the child feels that the parent is available to them, that they feel open and accepted by the parent, that the parent has empathy and compassion. It's a feeling of intimacy that goes beyond just being family. It goes beyond surface-level conversations, surface-level interactions, surface-level like I am the parent, you are the child. It's, it's a connection. It's an alignment. It's not just about being connected physically or being in the same household or spending a lot of time together. Like It goes beyond that. And that is why when you're trying to establish this connection when they are teenagers, yes, it can be done, obviously, because you can become connected to a new friend right? Like you can meet someone this month and slowly begin to develop a relationship with them and feel emotionally connected to them. And again, while I'm I'm not an expert, I would suspect that it's harder to do when there's a disconnect they're trying to repair. But don't let that discourage you because it is possible. And it starts with listening. It starts with really listening and not just you know, doing the parent thing where we're constantly teaching them and trying to give them words of wisdom, or we're frustrated because when they're teenagers, they don't talk much. So you're like, yeah, I'm listening, but this kid doesn't talk. I mean, even with my own kids, I remember when they were teenagers, like, is should we take them to the doctors or something wrong with their mouths? They just would both kind of like mumble, wouldn't respond. Like I would, you know, me, I ask a trillion questions and they'd be like, I mean, even if I was asking them about something that I thought was of interest to them, like, so tell me about your new friend. Like, what do you know about them? I don't know. Like, everything was, I don't know. And it, you could barely understand what they were saying. So it was difficult to get them to talk. And I think that's pretty common for most teens. The way you get them to talk, I found, was by doing things. So if I would just like approach them in the kitchen and be like, so tell me, blah, blah, blah. They just, they know what you're doing. They don't want you to pry. And they really kind of only open up when it's on their terms and they're in the mood, which means you have to spend a ton of time with them. I found that when we were doing something physical, so for example, if we were painting or doing art or dancing or sometimes in the car, like car rides were really critical. Brock would play sports, Sierra would play sports. And on the weekends, oftentimes, you know, games or whatever were half hour away or an hour away. And there was a lot of time spent together, time in the car. We also drove our kids to school for as long as possible until, you know, they got their licenses. But until then, during their preteen and teen years, that time in the car is invaluable. No headphones on, no being on your phone or limited anyways. I don't want to sound like I was that parent because I'm not even trying to play like I was, like no phones. Like, yeah, we let them be on their phones. They just, they really weren't though which is interesting, especially when we were in the car. Like they would just talk to us. In fact, I remember my kids giving Brett and I more of a hard time, like put your phones down. We'd be like, oh, wow, okay. (laughs) So I think that is because kids do, as much as they pretend like they don't want to talk to you and they don't want to be connected, they do want you to be interested in them. They might not want you to pry with all the questions, but if you can find the right subject and in the right environment, Just listen. Listen and try to do so without judgment. 
Do your best to do so without a, a teaching lesson. And remember that it, it is about timing. Like if they're not in the mood, don't keep pressing and pushing. But by the same token, don't give up. I almost feel like so much of the teen years is a test, a test to see if you really do care. Two great books I recommend are Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, both by the same author, by the way, which is Meg Meeker, and also Strong Mothers, Strong Sons. Her books will really help you, I think, to understand like very specific situations that'll help you to feel more connected to your, your child. Another way to make your child feel very connected to you is to support them without pushing them. And this can be tricky. My parents, for example, always supported me, never pushed me. However, they let me quit everything. And I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. As an adult, I do remember wishing they had had me finish things. They would let me quit just about everything the first time I asked. And I think it's okay to like, if your child is like, mom, I absolutely hate piano. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And they want to quit and they, you know, are saying this for months or whatever, then yeah, I mean, it's your dream and not theirs. However, if the child asks for the piano lessons and you've paid for, I don't know, 30 days or 90 days or whatever, then they have to complete it. That was a rule that we did with our kids. My parents, again, I would say after two weeks of being on the softball team that I wanted to quit and they would be like, okay. I mean, they would make me tell the coach which I appreciate it. I mean, I think that was a good learning lesson, but they would let me quit. And that was never a good thing. I mean, I would quit on teams and I remember feeling so guilty and feeling like I was a quitter. You know what I mean? So I don't know if it was good or bad, but it certainly wasn't fair to the other kids. And so with our own children, we never told them like, you have to keep doing this if they hated something, even if they're really, really good at it. And that's hard, right? When you know your kid, you're like, listen, kid, you've got real talent. And you might be the first Olympian in our family and you want to keep pushing them because you can see their talent. Personally, I think it's the wrong thing to do. I think it's, again, it's my personal opinion, it is very dangerous to give our kids identities. Like you're the soccer player, you're the football player, you're the gymnast, you're the ballerina. Like it's dangerous because kids, they think that's why they're good, that's why they're being praised, that's who they are. And that thing is going to go away. And sometimes they may lose interest or the skill or the talent to excel at that thing that has been their identity. And then they don't want to do it anymore. And then they struggle with, do my parents even love me and support me? And do... So I do think it's important that our children finish what they started. There's always exceptions to that. But not to push our children to do things because we think they're going to regret it later. Or we want them to be the best or because our own egos are very tied up in it. My personal opinion is that we are doing our children a real disservice by forcing them to specialize when they're teenagers, you know, to specialize in soccer, specialize in volleyball and to spend literally like 15, 20 hours doing like one sport or activity where they don't learn a variety of skills or have a variety of experiences because in order to excel at the thing that they're doing, they have to specialize today. And, you know, here's my thing with sports and athletics or anything, like maybe it's music or dance. I don't know too many adults who would tell you, and I could be wrong, that they loved the fact that they could only do this one thing 
and that that's what they were known for. Because eventually that thing usually goes away. And then then who are you? Next, and this is a tough one, but along the same lines, is to try to monitor the expectations you're placing on your child. And listen, I know full well, half the people listening to this are going to disagree with me. That's okay. Again, I'm not telling you this is what everybody needs to do. I'm just telling you this is the approach that we took with our kids. We tried not to place any expectations on them. And that was really important to me, especially knowing that my husband felt that he had these insurmountable expectations to be the best, to be perfect, to be the golden child, to you know never get in trouble, to be the best at football, to be the best athlete. And he felt like he didn't have any other choice. He also felt for many years that that was the only way or the best way, I should say, that he could feel love and appreciation from his his own father. I mean, later he worked through that in therapy, but there was a big piece of him growing up that felt like that was the expectation. You are going to be a quarterback. You're going to be an exceptional athlete. And so, and Brett shared that with me early in our marriage. And so we were really very careful, as, as you are, to try not to repeat the things that your parents did that maybe weren't ideal. So we were aware of that. And then you also look at the things your parents did and did well, and you try to replicate those things. So with my folks, I never felt that they had any expectations of me to be anything other than me. And that made me feel like I could be and do anything. It gave me so much confidence. I didn't feel like I had an identity with them. I never had pressure to get good grades. That expectation really saved my confidence because I already placed that that high level of excellence on myself and I could never achieve it. I cannot imagine what it would have felt like to be a child because of, you know, I struggled in school. I absolutely hated the day that our quizzes or tests were coming back. Like right now I'm getting PTSD thinking about the teacher like holding up your paper or handing them out in the order in which people's grades were given and I was always at the bottom. Even if the teacher didn't do that, if they handed out the tests, handed out the quizzes, you always had that girlfriend who was like Miss Straight A, who was like, oh, so what did you get? And I would lie half the time because I was so embarrassed. I would study my butt off. Then I would still get a C. And I knew I was smarter than her. <laughs> so I felt like such a disappointment. It was so frustrating. I felt so stupid. I felt so like, just what is going on? Am I dumb? I cannot imagine compounding that with if my parents had placed expectations on me to get good grades. They never did. I was never punished. I was never rewarded for getting straight A's. It was just do your best. They just never made a big deal about our grades. And I think that's because of my own father's experience. He didn't get good grades and he struggled in school because of his ADHD, which he didn't have diagnosed until he was in his 70s. But, you know, I mean, we knew we had the same brains. And so that made a really big difference in my life. And it helped me to feel very connected to my parents. And so we made a real point of that with our own kids, never to put expectations on them for their grades. Okay, so here's the part that you can completely disagree with. And you might even want to fast forward through this if your kids are in the car because they're going to use this ammunition against you. I personally think, who cares what grades your kids get? Who freaking cares? If they're trying their best, that's all that matters. If they're getting something out of the class, that's all that matters. Frankly, what I think is more important is that a child has common sense 
that they know how to handle themselves, that they know how to make a phone call, that they know how to talk to an adult. They know how to negotiate on their own behalf. They know how to list an item for sale on Facebook Marketplace. They know how to make their own money if they need to. They are capable of doing their own laundry and making their own meals that they can problem solve. Like these are the things that really matter. Okay, if your kid gets exceptional grades, what does that mean? It means that they can probably go to an exceptional college, but like, does that matter? Why do they need to go to an exceptional college? So they have an exceptionally large student debt or so that you can say, my kid got into fill in the blank university. I mean, you can get a college education and it doesn't have to be at the most prestigious university. And frankly, with the way things are happening in the world today, I think it's wise that we teach our kids how to go in business for themselves. I mean, unless, of course, they're considering a profession that requires a degree. Again, be very careful that you're not placing that expectation on them. If your expectation in your family is that this child becomes a pastor and this one becomes a doctor and this one becomes a lawyer and this one becomes an architect, and whether you realize it or not, you have placed that expectation on them, it's really difficult for that child to have their own dreams, their own beliefs, and, and to even know what's right or wrong because in in our all of our minds, we just want to be loved and accepted by our parents. And so if there's this expectation that we have to dress a certain way, look a certain way, have a certain personality, a certain style, a certain profession, a certain GPA or sexual orientation or religious affiliation, and we don't have those things or we don't end up fulfilling our parents' expectations of us, I mean, I can't think of a worse feeling than knowing or believing that you are a disappointment to your parents. Do you want your child to be happy? Isn't that what we all want? Don't we want our children to just be happy and joyful and and to feel loved? And it is impossible to feel those things if simultaneously you are feeling like a disappointment. So put me on pause if you are just now realizing, yikes, I think unknowingly, just because I wanted the best for them, I might have maybe possibly made my kid feel like they were a disappointment. And listen, I know all the reasons why you did it. I know that you just wanted the absolute best for them. You knew their potential. You knew what was possible. But at the end of the day, if your child feels that in some way they disappointed you, even if it was in the past, do yourself a favor. Let me tell you, you're going to build a connection even with your adult child. If right now you send them a text and say, I realize that my dream for you to fill in the blank may have made you feel like you're not enough or a disappointment to me. And I just want you to know, I love you just as you are. You are perfect. You are living the life that you were meant to live. And I am sorry for putting my own expectations on you. I am so proud of you and I love you. And I hope you'll forgive me for that. Mm-hmm. Send that text. Just send it. That little voice in your head that's like, no, no, no I don't want to send it to them because I, I, I don't even want to point that out to them. I don't want to bring that up because maybe they didn't even notice. Maybe they don't even think that. Yes, they do. They do. You're thinking it. I guarantee they're thinking it. And even if they're not, I mean, then what's the worst thing that could happen? They could say, mom, what are you talking about? No, I never felt that way. But think, I mean, they're still going to love you even more 
for having done that. And you will teach them, you will demonstrate to them the importance of reaching out and trying to make things right, which is very much along the lines of my, my next tip, which is to try to practice acceptance. I mean, big time acceptance, like really accepting your child without unknowingly or inadvertently telling them that you want them to be different. For example, there was a stage where Sierra only dressed like a boy, like she only wore Brock's clothes. She wore high top tennis shoes, big giant baggy boys basketball shorts, big giant basketball jerseys. And I remember like her girlfriends had the cutest fashion. I was so into fashion. She was at that age where you just really want to dress them. Deep down, I wanted her to be into girly things. I wanted to buy her all the fashionable things. I wanted her to dress like really cutesy. I think Justice was in style then. Or, and there's just like a bunch of like limited to places that little girls shopped and she wasn't into it. And it wouldn't have been enough for me to just accept that she was wearing Brock's clothes. I actually had to show her that I supported that by buying those things for her or, you know, even talking to Brock like, hey, can your sister have these shoes? Like supporting the fact that that was her personal style at the time. We interrupt this broadcast to answer frequently asked questions about CBD. It's crazy how many questions I get about this topic and how many misconceptions there are about CBD. First of all, CBD, there are many different forms. There's many different types. And you can buy it now at your local gas station. Because it's not regulated by the FDA, you need to be hella careful about using a very reputable company. Some things you need to understand about CBD. First of all, let me explain the type of CBD that my soul CBD produces is a pure CBD, which means you can't get high from it. There is no THC, which is the part of the plant that gives you that hallucinogenic or the high characteristics that people refer to. My soul CBD is a an isolate. There's no other ingredients. It's pure. And the reason, the other reason why I love my soul CBD is because they actually care about the manufacturing process, how it's farmed, how it's packaged, quality control, and taste. CBD oils are very much like protein powders. Like there's some stuff on the market because it's not regulated where you don't know what you're getting. You don't know what you're paying for. You don't know what you're putting in your body. And that's why it is so imperative that you go with a company that actually cares about the reputation and the quality of their ingredients and has that brand integrity. And that's why I recommend My Soul CBD. I encourage you to give them a try and get 15% off by going to mysoulcbd.com forward slash Shaleen. You'll get 15% off. All right, so what should you pick up your first time? Well, I'm a big fan of the watermelon flavored dropper oils that you just put under your tongue or you can put it in a drink. If you're not into oils, their gummies are like quite tasty, I might add. Their new sleepy gummy, those are remarkable. Those are my three picks. Try yours now and the whole line of CBD products by going to mysoulcbd.com. Again, it's mysoulcbd.com forward slash Shaleen. And that's the important part because that's going to give you 15% off automatically at checkout. If you want to enter a code, you can. It's code 15, but you shouldn't need to. You should just be able to just go directly to that link. Mysoulcbd.com forward slash Shaleen. All right, back to the show. It's accepting that our children have their own personalities, their own DNA, not trying to force them to be more extroverted if they're more of an introverted child, not trying to force them 
to have a personality other than the one that they have. You know what I mean? Like I've seen parents, and I'm, I'm sure we were guilty of this too, you know, just expecting our kids to be a certain way. Again, not to pick on Sierra, but I just remember consciously having to stop myself from saying certain things because Brock was over the top friendly, like beyond like, hello, Mr. and Mrs. White, and shaking their hands and like, you know, and Sierra just wasn't like that. I mean, she was definitely friendly. She would never be rude to anyone. But there are times where I just, I would have to stop myself because I wanted her to be a little bit more over the top, a little more like, a little bit more like her mom. You know what I mean? But that's just not her style. Her personality was more like her dad's, like stand back, observe people, watch, take things in, process, reserve judgment, and then connect with people. So I would bite my tongue. I would say those things in my head. I'm not going to tell you that I didn't. I would think them in my head and then I would have to remind myself, no, like this is who she is. She was meant to be this way. God made her this way. And not just like accepting it, but also celebrating it. Also, during these teen years, like I said, in order to get them to open up and to connect with you and to feel accepted, to feel loved, to feel safe, to feel like they can count on you, to feel almost like you're a mentor to them, it requires so much time. Because again, I think there's this weird dichotomy between teens and parents where they're almost like testing you like to see if you really like them or not. And they're going to do things to push you away. They're going to do things that are sending you the message like, get out of my space. I don't want to be around you. You're not cool. I don't even like you. They're sending you that message. It's just a teen thing. Don't take it personal. But in order to you know break through that barrier... You've got to spend a freaking ton of time with them. Time. I mean, I remember when they were little, we couldn't shut them up. Like, I was like, do these kids ever stop talking? And then suddenly they hit their teen years and they go silent. And phones make it a thousand times worse. So you've got to spend a lot of time with them and have boundaries that are appropriate. Boundaries that go both ways. So when our kids were teens, like that's when a whole bunch of opportunities were coming our way and we just decided that we had a minute with them. We had very little time. I mean, your kids are only going to be teens for such a short window and it's such an important, crucial, critical time that we just turned down business opportunities. We took less on. We declined travel, appearances. Maybe it's not the right time to take that promotion. Maybe it's not the right time to start a super time-intensive business. Maybe it's not the right time to you know, adopt a baby while your other two are teenagers. Like, you know, I don't know what it is. And, and I'm not telling you that there's any right or wrong way to do things. Again, I'm just sharing with you what we did. We just fully prioritized them. I don't know, and I'm just going to be honest, I don't know if we would have moved Bob into our home with Alzheimer's while the kids were in their high school years because that was so intense. That was so much emotion. That was so time-consuming and emotional, and it would have taken us away from our kids. Here's a mistake that I did make. In fact, I would say that one mistake that we made is that, gosh, I hate to even say this, but okay, how can I say this without saying what I don't want to say on a podcast? Okay. I got it. We were helping out a family that was going through a very difficult time. And that was when Sierra was probably, I think, a freshman in high school. And it took a lot of time and emotion and support of this family 
in a critical season for our own children. You know, and I, I do believe that everything happens for a reason and God places these challenges in our lives to teach us something and, and maybe mine was to be able to share it with you. If it was the right thing to do for this family, but I'm not sure if it was the right thing to do for our family. I'm not sure if it was the right thing to do for our children. And I think once we kind of started realizing that, then we we pulled back. And how you prioritize your life is completely up to you. I'm just, again, sharing. I know I keep saying this, but for us, it was our kids and then everybody else. And when I say our kids came before our, even our own parents, and we, Brett and I, spoke very openly to each other anyways. I mean, we discussed these things like early in our marriage and we were on the same page. And I think that's important. You know, you and your spouse need to be on the same page. But yeah, it was, you know, it's a matter of kind of restructuring the way, what things you say yes to, you know, and, and just asking and being okay and saying no to things that you are detrimental to the amount of time and energy that you can give to your kids during these really vital years. Maybe it's not the right time to get on the dating apps. I don't know. Again, these are your decisions. I'm just trying to open up your mind and get you thinking about all these things. Another thing that's really important, I think, is having things that you can do together. And ideally, not things that like you've picked, like, okay, yes, I was a division one tennis player. And so what my son and my myself do together is we play tennis and and you know, and maybe that is something you love to do together, but uh, be careful that you're not putting expectations on them. I think what's really powerful is if you can have things that you do together that you both enjoy that aren't like part of their identity. In other words, like we would have art night and we would dance together and we always watch documentaries together. And so for Brock and I, what we would connect about or, or like do together was like digital creativity. Like I would teach him how to edit YouTube videos and how to use social media when he had this YouTube channel called Brock Shots. Oh my gosh, you guys, it's so funny. I'm going to put a link to it in our show notes. Brock and Sierra would spend hours doing these crazy basketball shots and editing YouTube videos and they were called Brock Shots. And, and that was a really fun thing to connect with him on. For Sierra, we connected over fashion and dance and art as a family. We took up snowboarding because our kids were going to be snowboarders. And so, you know, Brett and I skied all of our lives and we're like, we wanted to have something that we could do with them. So we learned how to snowboard. And now the whole family, it's like a really cool thing that we do that we're all very connected. And I love it when all four of us are on the chairlifts together and we get to spend time together in the mountains and the snow. And that was really very special when they were teenagers. I guess one of the other things that we did that I think made a difference is that we discouraged activities or habits or behaviors that could create distance between all of us. Okay, so what do I mean by that? All right, now again, this is just what worked for us. I don't know if it will work for you. Now, this wasn't a rule, but it was generally speaking in our household, we would discourage them from doing homework in their bedrooms or doing anything in their bedrooms with the doors closed. We would discourage that. It, again, it wasn't a rule. If they felt like they really needed total concentration and needed to go into their room to study with them, we would allow that. But we would always encourage them to all be in the same room. So they would do their homework, etc. We just found that if they went up to their rooms to do their homework, it took 10 times longer because, you know, they get on their phones, they start messing around, whatever, in their rooms, and then homework takes twice as long and you're away from them. 
So we all would be in the same room. Sometimes it was a kitchen. Sometimes it was like our TV room. I forget what you call that, living room, family room. I always get those two mixed up. Our TV room, I'll call it that. And the kids would do their homework there. That allowed them to ask us questions and it allowed us to kind of monitor. We wouldn't tell them they couldn't go on their phones, but they just didn't if we were in the room. Maybe we did a couple of times and then they just they just didn't go on their devices until their homework was done. You know, I we just weren't the kind of, we didn't need to be for whatever reason. I don't know if it was just luck or whatever, but we we didn't have like specific rules around their phones. We didn't say, okay, you could only be on this amount or like video games. They just didn't play video games. Neither of my kids did. And they just weren't on their phones very much. And we didn't really have to set up rules around that. I think it could be different, right? So Sierra graduated in 2000 and Brock is three years older than her. So maybe things are different now. And in fact, I'm going to have a social media teens and screens expert coming up on the show soon. Because I, I do think it's probably a little, it's changed, right? But at the time, kids were still on their phones and I, I we would have lots of conversations about the internet and apps and how tethered they felt to them. And so we would have these discussions. So we would discourage things that would create distance between us, meaning like them isolating, being in their own rooms or closing doors and and staying in their bedroom or just putting on headphones and isolating themselves from the rest of the family. Like we just would discourage that. Again, we didn't have like hardcore rules. We just would have conversations about it and discourage those activities in much the same way Brett and I tried to avoid doing things that would take us away from them. So for example, I I didn't do projects that would take me out of town. I tried to stay home as much as possible. I didn't do any traveling appearances. You know, at the time I was you know, at the height of things with Beachbody and they were kind enough to accommodate a schedule for me where I didn't have to travel to do any of the weekend appearances. And that was hard, right? Because, you know, my own ego would love to be at a big event with, you know, thousands of screaming fans. But if I did that, then I would have missed out on something else, you know, and we just were just like, there will be time for this later. There will be time to do these things later. And it's true, because here we are. They're adults now. And all the things that we, you know, really wanted to do when they were young. Some people think of those things as sacrifices. I don't think of them as sacrifices. I think that we got to spend time with our kids. And that was amazing. And I didn't have to sacrifice time with my kids. How about that? And, you know, these are things that we just we postponed. We put those things off until later. Those are the things we get to do now. And I guess I would say lastly is communication. I would encourage you to read parenting books. I still read parenting books. Like I've read four parenting books this week. Well, my kids are adults, you know what I mean? But I still find it really fascinating. Sometimes I read them. I'm like, oh, bummer. I wish I had read this before. And I'll put a link to a bunch of audible books I think are really great for parents at a variety of stages. But listening and communicating are so important. And one thing that I, both kids knew is that they would never be in trouble, never be in trouble if they came to me with the truth. I don't care what it is you did or you've done or you're thinking about doing. You won't get judgment from me. You won't get a reaction from me if you come to me and you tell me the truth. Now, if you lie, you're going to be in a whole heap of trouble. But if you come to me, I'm going to help you figure it out. I won't judge you. I expect you to make mistakes. I expect you to get in trouble. I mean, I I really did. I mean, 
You don't need to sweat the small stuff. Look at the big picture. Try to remember the things you were doing when you were a teen. Like sometimes I'll hear from someone who will be like, they'll send me a DM and say, I don't know what to do or where we've gone wrong. My daughter was caught sexting a boy and, you know, now we're sending her off to this private boot camp in some other state because we think she's going to do drugs next. It's like, jeez, ah, ah, I, I mean, there's so many examples I could give you. I, I just think sometimes we freak out and we're like, uh-oh, is this a reflection on me? If I don't overreact to this, could this get worse? I don't know the answer to that. For your child, I think every kid is different and you can do everything perfectly, like everything. And your kid is just a different child. Maybe they have emotional needs that have not been met. Maybe they are struggling with their mental health. Maybe they just have different DNA. Maybe they have a learning disability or a neurological disorder, something that makes it more challenging for you to to parent. And listen, you have my utmost respect. And there's zero judgment coming from me. I'm just, again, telling you what worked for us, but I know full well, because I have so many friends who did everything perfectly, like literally. And they still had a child who struggled and still struggles as an adult. It happens. And it may be no fault at all of the parents. But I do think we have to take things in context and ask ourselves, in the scheme of things, is this really a big deal? I mean, I personally got in so much trouble. <laughs> I mean, I should have gotten in a lot more trouble as a kid. Those of you who listen to Patreon, you've heard some of my childhood stories and you know exactly what I'm talking about. For the rest of you, just use your best imagination. And I had great parents. I had awesome parents, amazing parents, but they believed everything teen Shalene said, and they took it at face value. They believed me and you should never believe a teenager. You know, you got to spot check them. You just show up once at a party when they say, oh yeah, don't worry that the parents are here. Just show up once and they'll never lie again, you know, or they'll, they'll know at any moment my mom and dad could show up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's really important that no matter what happens, they feel loved. They feel accepted. They feel celebrated. At the end of the day, we want our kids to be happy. And in order for them to be happy, they need to feel connected to us. And yeah, it takes work and it's not too late. Listen, I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon. You made it to the end of the show, which means you loved it, right? So don't forget to subscribe to keep up with the newest episodes. The Shaleen Show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most every podcast app. We would be truly grateful if you left a five-star review and told us specifically which episode you enjoyed and why. The Shaleen Show is released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But don't worry, we got Tuesdays and Thursdays covered too with Build Your Tribe, Shalene's other podcast, which she happens to co-host with her son, Brock Johnson. It's all about business, social media growth, and marketing devoted to helping you make more money and live more life. So make sure you're subscribed to Build Your Tribe and following along. 
If you'd like to hear Celine get real personal with stuff that isn't exactly appropriate for the public podcast, then be sure to check out her Patreon, where she spills all the tea. You can find that at patreon.com forward slash The Shaleen Show. Links to anything referenced in today's episode, as well as show sponsors and other podcasts, can be found below in our show notes.